0: Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Jonathan Green was at the top of his profession as a lighting consultant, being flown all over the world, dealing with governments and private contracts. However, Jonathan lost the sight in one eye following a terrible car accident. Many years later, Jonathan started to lose the sight in his other eye due to an extremely rare condition called Heroditis serpiginus. Jonathan joins us now to tell us how he dealt with losing his sight, the depression that followed, and how he's managed to vent his creativity in a completely different avenue. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio today. Now, you lost your sight in your right eye due to a car accident 25 years ago. Can you tell us a bit about that day?
1: Well, I I don't actually remember anything about it. What happened was I was a pedestrian and I was um, hit over the head by a speeding car. And I don't actually remember the next two months after that, due to being in a coma, I had extensive damage. But uh, when I woke up and finally came around and went back to work, it was um, plainly obvious that I had no sight in my right eye. Uh, There is some light perception, but it's not an awful lot, and I can only just make out the extreme peripherals.
0: Now, that must have been such a shock for you. Being hit by a car is shocking enough, but to waken up and find that you've got no sight in one of your eyes, that must have been terribly depressing.
1: I can't really remember too much about that far back, um, but i I'm one of these people that always looks on the bright side, so at least I was alive, and that was good enough for me. <laughs>
0: Now, you were a lighting consultant for 20 years. Yes. And it was, uh, you know, it was an incredible job you had, actually. I was reading all about you and, uh, you know, apparently you worked all over the world. You worked for governments, private companies. How did you get into that?
1: Actually, at the time, I was uh, working under a contract for a um, local electricity company, East Midlands Electricity and it was literally mapping out all of their electronic network onto a computer database. Um, And the contract was just about to run out, so I was madly going around trying to get another position somewhere else at the time where jobs weren't very um, readily available. So I ended up interviewing for this place, and um, Abacus Lighting said they needed someone that knew about computers, which at the time was my forte. I knew computers inside out. So I got hired purely on my computer knowledge, Um, and 20 years later, I'm ending up jet-setting around the world, the Caribbean and Europe, as well as liaising with local and national governments and meeting prime ministers.
0: It sounds like an absolutely incredible job, but you did notice over the years that your other eye, your left eye, which wasn't affected by the car crash, uh, was in fact kind of deteriorating as well. And it was last year that you were diagnosed with a condition that's extremely rare called chorditis serpiginous. Now, can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Um, It's an autoimmune issue where your immune system attacks uh, the back of your eye and just eats away at your retina. It started out almost like a small pinpoint fuzzy dot right in the middle of your vision, which is blocking out any letters which are far away. And within three months of that, the whole thing had just suddenly grown Uh, to a point now where I have very limited peripheral vision in that eye as as well now. I I can't read any text at all. Um, I can't see faces anymore. I I just see the outlines of people, notice there's objects there, but not identify anything at all.
0: So the last you know 25 or so years have have been you know a real roller coaster for you because as we said you know you you lost your sight due to a car accident then you know you you obviously can't work as a lighting consultant anymore if you've uh, no vision it must have been very depressing for you last year when when you had to give up everything and you know basically start again
1: To be honest, it was extremely depressing um, because I am a person that is uh, very independent. I know what I want. um, I know what I need to do to support family and that sort of thing. Um, So not being able to contribute to that in the way that I like anymore was was just too much in the end. Uh, One of the things I have uh, as well, I'm actually... Asperger's, which means I I don't really like talking to large groups of people. And once I lost my eyesight as well, that got worse. And I really don't like leaving the house now unless I absolutely have to. But um, the depression side of it, it was for months. It, It really was. It was a case of I'd end up sitting on the sofa once everyone else had gone to school or work. And I would just sit there all day until someone came back. I wouldn't be talking to anyone. I wouldn't be moving or anything. I'd just, I just, I didn't even notice time was passing by. So, yes, it, it was difficult for, I, I would say, six months after that, before I started to uh, kick myself and move on.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I used to sit on a, a chair in front of the television and, you know, I'd barely get dressed. You know, I'd I'd be in a dressing gown curled up in a ball thinking, what on earth am I going to do with my life? And then it's like you say, you know, there's there's no door you can escape from. You've just got to go up the way you've got to get out and and do what you can to survive it must have been so emasculating for you uh, you know being being a father and being a husband you know and not being able to provide for your family
1: um it was it was a terrible time and uh, there were many thoughts that went through my head every day um and one of them being well what use am i now it didn't get as bad as wanting to end it or anything like that but i was concerned that i would lose everything i had at that moment because i was no use to anyone so i I was afraid that people wouldn't want me
0: of course and you know it's not just your family i mean it's i just didn't know who on earth would want to employ me anymore I I just thought you know what what does a blind person do there was just absolutely you know nothing in my kind of employment field that I thought I was capable of at the time
1: yeah I, I mean that is very difficult um like like we said earlier I was um a lighting consultant so my eyesight was paramount to me I've I have now literally become allergic to my work and my profession. Um, I did try for a few interviews. Uh, There was a couple of times where I didn't even put, I had a sight condition on my CV or application or anything like that. But uh, they look at me on paper and they think, fantastic, this guy has got it. This guy knows everything that we need someone to know. And then you get through the door to the interview. They take one look at you your white cane, your dark glasses, and it's over there and then, to be honest with you. They, they give as short an interview as possible just because legally they have to, but you know you're not going to get anywhere.
0: And I know that that you felt that your Aspergers as well had mm-hmm. a, a big part to do with you not getting a job because you felt that that you know future employers would think that you wouldn't be able to, and as you said in your own words, play nicely with with <laughs> other uh, people in the workplace. I mean that must be so soul destroying because you know it, it just goes to show the ignorance that still exists around uh, cases of of Aspergers and and blindness. Us. Um, Yes,
1: it does. Um, uh, and you're correct. I, I don't really play nicely with people I don't know. Um, and it takes me a long time to get to know people. But I do what I do. And I'm very good at what I do, um, simply because I can immerse myself in my interest, which at the time was lighting. But um, in interacting on a social level, going to... Hubs or that sort of thing, work work, social do's or things like that, I never used to do. I was always seen as aloof, even when I was sighted. And um, to some extent, I was. I, I didn't really want to know people on a social level. I was in, I'm employed to do a job. I'm not employed to um, party and be nice to people. <laughs> but um, my knowledge within lighting kept me there for 20 years. So I obviously did did something right, but um, now that's all that's gone. In fact, literally this morning, I uh, said goodbye to 20 years of my life just by clearing some shelves.
0: I can't even imagine what that must be like because I didn't work for 20 years before I lost my sight. That must have been very upsetting for you today.
1: No, I, I think I've, I've accepted it now. But it was quite a strange feeling, you know, just um, going over to your wheelie bin and putting twenty years of you in that bin, and it happens to be bin day today, so it got emptied. So I I've, I've just sat and watched it get emptied into the bin cart before it drove off. You know, I could have waved goodbye to it out the window, but I'm not that mad yet. Anyway. Oh.
0: Dear, oh dear. Well, um, it sounds like you know you are doing a remarkable job at, at coming to terms with everything that's going on in your life, honestly, Jonathan. And you're doing such great things at the moment because instead of sitting and allowing yourself to continue with the depression and you know not work, you've actually managed to kind of engineer a life for yourself whereby you are working, you're doing something you love, you're able to support your family, and that's all all through music.
1: It is, yes. Yes, I've always been a singer, but never a musician. I have in my little office, I'm looking at now three guitars and a MIDI keyboard, which is a keyboard which plugs directly into your computer. I know the notes on all of my instruments, but I can't play them because I don't have the coordination. I can play a couple of, I can play any chord I like on my keyboard, but I can't play them all in succession to create a song, which is where my computer comes in. I won't be able to do, remember or even play what I'm playing now, but it doesn't matter because I've saved it. It's on my computer and I can just move on to the next sex- section. But um, yes, I, I do now write my own music um, to the point where I'm actually releasing uh, tracks on iTunes and Spotify and all your other major music places for downloading, streaming and listening to. So that's what I'm doing now is writing music and releasing it out to um, try and sell it and make a living out of something I love doing.
0: I'd imagine that when you have a condition like Asperger's and you're blind as well, you need some kind of avenue to vent that kind of creative side that, you know, you obviously have because you've always loved music and singing. So this sounds like it's just perfect for you. And I know that you've just recently released a song on iTunes. It's called Stop the Killing. Now, Now, where did this come from?
1: I actually wrote back in a week. The kids uh, went to school, my wife went to work, and I switched all lights off and came up to my office and thought, right, sat down and tapped out, um, I think it was seven notes on the keyboard that sounded, uh, went well together. And from that, within four days, I had built that into an an entire music score and then I thought right I need to w- write the words to this now um, so I listened to what I had recorded and t- to decide what sort of song would suit it because that's the way I work, I either write a song and then write the music to suit the song or, or the other way round with this particular one I wrote the music and then thought it sounded like a, almost a protest so I decided to write some words to it about how people, you know, will go out and go to war and start killing and terrorism and hurting people. And it's so much easier to do that than it is to be nice and careful people. Now, I, I know I'm on the autism spectrum and don't really do all the touchy-feely emotional side, but I understand it in a logical manner. I use this to convey my thoughts in the song.
0: You see, that's interesting because I know that that a lot of people will be writing from their emotions. And that's what I was wondering, you know, when you are, uh, you know, on the autism spectrum, if you have Asperger's, you know, that is a condition where... You know, your emotions are affected, isn't it?
1: Um, yes, it is. I've, I've always been seen as completely laid back and completely relaxed. Even in, in the workplace, I was, I was seen as the relaxed person that nothing ever bothers me at all. Um, it's not that nothing bothers me. It's the case of I don't even notice it at, at all. So I'm, I am, there are a lot of autistic people that have over-emotions, if you like. Um, they they have too much in the emotional or empathy sort of range. But um, I'm quite the opposite and literally am, um, I suppose, Mr. Spock from Star Trek, um, a completely logical person that, doesn't really feel emotions in the same way that others do.
0: And yet you're able to write these songs that that a lot of people would sound as if you're completely emotionally connected. It's a really fascinating concept, Jonathan, it really is. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, yeah. I, I, su- I suppose some people could say that I'm uh, singing from emotions and and that sort of thing but actually I'm, I'm not um, like I said in this case I wrote the piece of music decided it sounded like a protest song of some sort and put a few lines together and from there the story sort of evolved um, I'm telling a story and it will either start with a title or it will start with a couple of lines um uh, mm. For instance, in this song, um, it was something like, there's something wrong with us, you know, why can't we live in peace? It was something after I saw um, something about Syria on the Breakfast News. And, you know, from there, these these two lines end up turning into a bunch of lyrics that fitted the piece of music I wrote. So the whole thing evolved into the song it is now, but it's not. It's it's written quite detached. I'm quite detached from it, rather than getting into it with um, uh, squishy feelings and emotions and that sort of thing.
0: Well, from listening to the song, Jonathan, you sing with such emotion in your voice. It really is incredible. And as I said, a fascinating subject. And thank you so much for sharing uh, your story with us. Now, obviously, if anybody wants to hear your music, then you can download this song we've been talking about. It's called Stop the Killing. Uh, What is the best way to download it?
1: Um, Well, it's it's available on all music streaming channels, um, such as iTunes, iTunes, Um, Spotify and the Windows one I can't remember what it's called now but um, it's it's available on all those so if you're a member of Spotify or if you have Spotify through your phone contract or something you can just stream it through that. Uh, The best bet is to search for Stop the Killing and if too many things come up you could always try Stop the Killing followed by my name which is Jonathan Green as in the colour um, and it should it should pop straight up.
0: Well, Jonathan, the very best of luck with the single and with the, your music in the future. And thank you so much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio today. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you.
1: No, it's absolutely my pleasure. One, one thing I will say is um, don't stop dreaming. You know, uh, just because you are the way you are, it doesn't stop you doing what you do. And it's something I live by. I will just get up and do what I want to do or need to do. I don't let anything stop me. So, but thank you very much for inviting me to your show.
0: It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.